welcome to the VitaFoods Insights podcast. Join us as we explore the latest science and innovation, helping the global health and nutrition industry connect, develop and progress. Well, hello and welcome to our VitaFoods Insights podcast. I'm Heather Granado. I'm the Vice President of Content at VitaFoods Insights. I'm thrilled to have you join us as we recap our VitaFoods Insights virtual expo, which took place the 10th to the 13th of May. We had an amazing time connecting with our global nutraceutical community. And with me today are the other members of Hashtag Team Content. I've got Charlotte Bastianza, Natalia Francorocha, and Carla Hill. What was really wonderful was being able to take some of the learnings that we had from our September VitaFoods Expo and our February VitaFoods Asia Digital Week and expand on that, the things that we'd learned and the things that we saw from across the world. Certainly in the APAC region, there are a lot of interesting trends happening. In our virtual expo, we saw beauty from within, CBD and immune health really being categories that are set to grow in the next few years in the APAC nutraceuticals market. A lot of these trends have really been accelerated by COVID-19, but the pandemic has also brought a lot of challenges into the APAC market. These include the continuing prevalence of false and deceptive marketing, difficulties conducting clinical trials, and amassing sufficient scientific evidence to make health claims. We've certainly seen challenges for traditional specialty retailers as a result of the exponential growth of the e-commerce channel. Now, Charlie, I think you had worked with our EU trends session. What do you have to share from that area? Yeah, absolutely, Heather. So we were very fortunate to have Innova deliver our EU trends overview as part of our main stage. What this really demonstrated is how ready the nutraceutical industry is for innovation and how interested consumers really are in functional foods and supplements. They have a greater awareness of the importance of preventative health. They're a lot more willing to invest in this. And we're seeing quite a lot of companies that are actually investing in newer technologies that do meet the needs of these consumers. Through Innova's presentation, some of the the macro trends that were highlighted were transparency, plant-based eating, omni-channel eating, immunity, nutrition hacking, mood solutions, tackling some of the really big issues around mental performance and mental health. But one of the biggest trends was certainly around immunity, and I think that's obviously reflective of the COVID-19 pandemic. And that was something that was a trend central to both EU and APAC. Natalia really was leading on our gut and immune stream. So maybe she could tell us a little bit more about that. Absolutely, I can. Immunity was uh, the really center of our gut and immune health stage. And a few highlights worth mentioning include how consumers, they are nowadays embracing the connection between the gut and immune health. And around two thirds of the population believe that gut health is important for the overall health, so not just digestive system health. And it's also worth noting that consumers are looking for more natural, more effective, more easy of use solutions that's convenience for their lifestyles on the daily. So there is definitely lots of opportunities around the combination of products and messaging there. And during our panel, we discussed uh, innovative forms for gut and immune health products delivery. And one of the key takeaways uh, on that session was that collaboration is a key to drive new products 
products to the market and startups are in a really great position to push this drive for the digestive health industry to continue to accommodate consumers' wishes and wants. And of course, we couldn't leave out from this key highlights how consumers are more aware of their gut and immune health. And so there is this higher demand for more science-backed products and people are interested to push further their understanding on different mechanisms of actions and also to understand better different requirements for food versus supplement trials. So in our interactive roundtable discussion, we address this importance of investing in clinical trials and formulations and also design considerations. And it was brought up that Finnish product brands, they are looking for challenges of effectively communicating the results of clinical trials to consumers. And interestingly, it was also brought up that animal trials were found to be more efficacious following human trials rather than vice versa, which is what people believe to be true. And I think that was it, the main key highlights from the gut and immune health stage. So now linking more about consumers' well-being, Carla, would you be able to share with us more about the key takeaways from cognitive and mental health? Sure. Thanks, Hatalia. And I think it's it's really clear, like gut and immune, that stress and sleep is a category whose growth has been really accelerated by the COVID-19 pandemic as well. And this was particularly evident in our roundtable discussion with nootropics expert David Toman. And this discussion explored the crucial opportunity for the nutraceutical community to provide solutions for the large number of people suffering from the long-term effects of COVID-19, such as brain fog and memory loss. Another really interesting session was Mintel's presentation on mental well-being and opportunities for functional ingredients in the food, mood and cognition space. And this similarly covered how, as a result of the pandemic, consumers are increasingly feeling physically and, and mentally exhausted. And innovation in ingredient and product delivery, for example, expanding beyond traditionally caffeinated energy drinks or calming teas into new categories such as products to support meditation or holistic next generation solutions can help consumers relax and re-energize. Then in our sleep and stress innovation panel, it was really interesting to hear about the importance of clinical research and label claims backed by regulated science in this category and this was something covered more extensively in our regulatory overviews from both the EU and APAC spaces. For example our presentation on ACN supplement regulatory harmonisation outlined that while the ACN supplement market is already growing at a solid rate it's expected that the harmonisation will lead to an additional up to 8% compound annual growth rate over the next coming years. At the same time, there'll be challenges posed by training for regulators and industry about the new requirements, as well as investigating in SMEs and building the appropriate production capacity. One of the sessions that was particularly interesting on the mental performance stage was the eSports Roundtable. And this was a great session to see representatives from both the cognitive and the sports nutrition communities come together to discuss innovation in eSports nutrition. Charlie, maybe you can tell us a bit more about this session and and the other uh, learnings that we had from the sports nutrition stream that you were leading. Yeah, sure. I think esports is really such an interesting field at the moment and one that a lot of product developers have got their sights on. There's actually really clear benefits, although this is targeted for the gaming community. I think a lot of physical and conventional type athletes are also really interested 
as mental performance becomes more of an area of focus for them too. But gaming and esports is obviously quite a, a strongly growing community with loads and loads of commercial opportunities. Asia Pacific appears to be the biggest market for esports and the role nutrition plays in esports is really still in its infancy phase. So I think a lot of product developers looking for the sweet spot that they can kind of get into within this very niche market. Esports related products are actually of interest to a multitude of different generations and again clearly stretches into benefits for physical athletes. So I think the awareness for esports products, which include you know, energy drinks and nootropics, will just continue to grow. On the topic, I guess, of esports and moving a little bit more away from mental and into conventional physical sports, um, there is a clear return to food or superfoods for nutrition. The panel discussion on aligning innovators, which was led by Ian Craig of Integrated Sports Nutrition, spoke about how supplements can certainly be leveraged to support athletes in achieving their performance goals. But athletes also do understand the value that they can unlock through nutrient-rich foods. So I think there's a big opportunity there and a lot of interest from consumers to look for things that are a lot more naturally formed. There's also an opportunity for personalized nutrition. The panel certainly discussed that, but they're you know, opposing views as to personalized nutrition and how it needs to be positioned for professional versus amateur athletes and the accessibility and costs associated with it. We also looked at opportunity for protein through one of the roundtables that we hosted. This is still one of the greatest ingredient categories within sports nutrition. Definitely seeing a lot of consistent year-on-year growth across you know, powders, bars, and beverage categories. And unsurprisingly, I think plant-based protein is still seeing a tremendous amount of interest. I think that's very much driven by the health benefits and sustainability awareness at the consumer level. So this whole concept of sustainability, again, this was reinforced multiple times across the entire expo and through many of the sessions that we were hearing from. In fact, I think the keynote presentation within the sports and active nutrition stage by Claudia Machadi on behalf of ESNA was highlighting the farm to fork strategy, which aims to address the issues of overly processed foods, obesity, and you know the issue of enhancing nutrient profiles. And then I think tying into that, actually, we spoke to Ryan Cameron and Ben Stafford of Regenerate Asset Management about some of the key challenges pertaining to sustainability across the value chain. But while we were actually wanting to talk through how regenerative agriculture is attracting investor interest, we got quite stuck into a conversation really about how that type of reformation at the base of the supply chain fulfills an environmental and a social responsibility because not only are those practices working toward a a better farming model, but also promotes higher nutrient profiles of foods that are later retailed out to consumers. So really a lot of conversation taking place about nutrient profiles in raw foods and the consumer interest in that. But building on that, I think we were talking a lot as well on the topic of sustainability about packaging. And Heather, maybe you want to chime in on that. Yes, absolutely. Sustainability really was a key focus around our packaging session. It was interesting to see how many examples there are across the different regions. But certainly sustainability is not the only trend that we've seen accelerated during the pandemic as consumers have become much more aware of their own vulnerability, the importance of preventive nutrition. In our panel discussion, Peter Venstrom really was talking about what has driven consumers to take a more proactive approach. Sometimes it's that fear of death. 
And so when you think about healthy aging and the information that you may need to make better decisions, that gets into this idea of technology. What is the data that you need to make better decisions and how do you apply that? It's going to be a challenge, I think, for our broader nutraceutical community as the idea of N equals one can be difficult to address at a commercial scale. However, Jeff Mullen, who was from Human People, is really taking a different approach to that through his company. And I think you'll be seeing a lot more of unique ways to deliver important nutrients. What those nutrients are, it depends. There is an argument that everyone should be taking a multivitamin, vitamin D. Maybe everyone should be taking probiotics. We had a pretty robust conversation around that and how you can take the data that applies to you, but also work on your long-term well-being overall. And that improves your ability to fight off illness. It improves your ability to stay mentally clear, certainly to perform long-term. So I think there's a lot happening across the healthy aging space that is going to bode well for the long-term opportunities for the nutraceutical community. And certainly we will continue exploring how our community can deliver great products and information to consumers. And really that's how we at Vita Foods are looking forward to collaborating with the community. So Natalia, perhaps you can bring us home with a little bit about uh, Vita Foods insights and our mission into the rest of 2021. Thank you, Heather. We have definitely had a lot of interesting highlights throughout the event. So thanks, ladies, for sharing this with our audience. And the Vital Foods Insights continues to be our main digital platform. But going forward, we will have next Vital Foods Europe in a hybrid format where we will continue to connect the nutraceutical industry to develop and progress. So do stay tuned for some exciting things coming up for Vital Foods. Thanks, Natalia, and we hope listeners have found this wrap-up of the learnings from Vitafoods Insights Virtual Expo helpful and informative. For more content on the nutraceutical industry, make sure to check out our website on the link available in the show notes. And if you like our show, make sure to follow our Vitafoods Insights podcast series. Feel free also to recommend the show to a friend who you think would enjoy it. Thanks, everyone, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you.